My name is Randy, one of the teaching team here. We have been focusing for the last um, number of months on our the first part of our church narrative, uh, which is up there on the screen, and it says the Vineyard Church of San Antonio is part of the great family of God, and we have been focusing on that element of being a part of a great family, and specifically have been focusing on the family of God that is our Vineyard Church family. And this morning we have, uh, this morning and this afternoon, we have the privilege of having uh, Bert and Evelyn Wagner here. Bert was the national director of the Vineyard Church, uh, churches in the USA from 2000 to 2013. And uh, this church would not be here except for Bert because back in 1994, Claire and I had a sense of leading to plant a vineyard church somewhere in the world, and we actually had imagined at that time that it would be international. And we eventually got a letter from San Antonio from some good friends at Christmas time saying, hey, you know, and when I saw the letter it had on the, the uh, mailing part of it, it said San Antonio, Texas. And I went, gosh, I wonder where San Antonio is. <laughs> I'm from L.A., we don't know anything on the other side of the Sierra Madre Mountains, I promise. Lake Tahoe's as far east as we go. Anyway, um, my second thought was, I wonder if they need a vineyard there. And so this was in January of, of 95, and near the end of January, I wrote a letter. I found out who was the regional director for the South at that time. It was Bert Wagner. Bert's from Houston, Texas. And I sent him a letter, maybe an email, but probably, I don't know which it was anymore. But anyway, I sent him this letter, and then a couple of weeks later, uh, he calls me, and we chat about San Antonio, and he tells me three things that were very significant. One, he had personally been praying as the regional director for a strong vineyard to be planted here in San Antonio. Two, he mentioned that there had been three previous plants One recent, none of which made it. They didn't survive. One of which had just closed down within a year before. In fact, that couple was still here at the time in San Antonio. And third, he was excited to hear that Clara's and my family is a blended family. Clara's nationality background is Panamanian. And so we have a blended family with our children being blended. And so he encouraged us to seek the Lord and pray some more about God's direction leading from here. And then we had the privilege, we flew out in May of 95, uh, Bert flew in, Here's a, we don't, I don't want to take all his time, there's a wonderful story about a prophetic thing that the Lord, I, and you know what, I'm going to tell it to you, Claire and I prayed for six, it's great, and you can go all the way to noon, or 12.30 or 1, in fact, we don't even need the 3.15 meeting, we can just go, what is, no, not doing that, sorry, just kidding. Um, This is so cool. So Claire and I began to pray. We we decided to fast one lunch a week, and we met together at a prayer at a park to pray and seek the Lord. For weeks, all he ever said to us was, I love you. I'm for you. I mean, cool. You know, after two weeks, that's awesome, God. That's really, that got it. And what about San Antonio? Eventually, he began to speak things. He gave us images that were very significant. One of those was Clara saw, had, a, had an image, a vision of uh, an older gentleman, white hair and beard, with a cowboy hat, cowboy, uh, uh, cowboy pants, jeans, <laughs> boots, um, can't remember what else, and he was pounding in, it was in a, a, a large 
prairie type area and he was putting in a corner stake and he was extending the boundaries of a piece of land. And when Bert stepped off the plane, and back in those days in 95, we were able to be at the gate. You remember those days when you could go to the gate and greet your friends and family? So we're standing at the gate, and Bert walks off the plane. We don't know it's him. But Clara points at him before we meet him. We don't know what he looks like. And she says, that's the man who was in my vision. And Bert had just, was just finishing a sabbatical, having been in Utah for... I don't know how long your sabbatical was when you were up there. Uh, but uh, anyway, he said, yeah, I, I wore boots and had the, had the kind of Western. What's it? What, not a Western. Anyway, plaid shirt kind of a thing. Anyway, Bert, come on up. He has been a dear, dear, dear friend of ours for since 95 when we first met him. And is a wonderful man. And he is coming to just share with us his heart and to share a part of who the vineyard is in and through him. Bless you. Thank you. Well, good morning. I don't have a beard this morning. In 2000, I cut it off and just went with a goatee, and so maybe another five years I'll get rid of the mustache. But uh, anyway, it's uh, I can't say how delighted Evelyn and I really are to uh, to be with you. We've been so aware of what's uh, what was happening because it wasn't just my involvement as national director, but also seeing the connection between San Antonio as a birth out of church in the city or the Houston Vineyard and uh, got to participate in that. But after all those years, this is the first time I've been able to be with you. And so I was just uh, overjoyed with the possibility and uh, I'm so thankful we can be here and I don't know what it's been now three months or so I got a notice that you were getting a permanent building and now I get to see it Uh, so and then of course uh, with Clara and Randy and their leadership and their friendship through the years uh, they have been dear friends and very uh, you know, in ministry, you're always looking for those people that can also encourage and build you up, and they've they've done that in my life, so it's been a, a delight to see what God is uh, doing through them, and I've watched them develop in terms of uh, spiritual direction and uh, care in that area and give leadership not only here but throughout the region and uh, other parts of the United States, and so... Uh, it's a delight to be with them and their family. Uh, see Joy up here on the front, and uh, I have a picture I'll show this afternoon uh, that she was a lot younger, uh, uh, I think, at that time. Uh, anyway, since uh, she was somewhat of a small girl, I don't know. She was one when we visited her. One. Wow. I'm feeling old now. I'm really not that old. I had the joy of meeting Bob uh, Willard just uh, before the service and found out that his, where are you, Bob? Yeah, back here, that he's one of his dearest friends, is my, one of my dearest friends. And uh, as a matter of fact, that friend, I'm in the vineyard because of that friend. 
because uh, he was president of Star Song Music, and uh, Star Song Music started developing, uh, delivering, or uh, uh, selling the uh, music for John Wimber. And I knew John, and John introduced, I mean, I knew uh, uh, Daryl, and he introduced me to John, and that's the way we came into the vineyard. So it's kind of a small world, isn't it? But I think this is one of the joys of being part of a family is that you start finding relationships through the years that are very meaningful. And uh, I see several here that I've known uh, for some years, and it's uh, good to see you, and then, of course, a lot of new faces. so it's, uh, it is a joy to have participated, and I feel a little bit like a grandfather getting up here today because of the fact that we got to plant here or participate in that planning. I, I love the church. I, I am convinced in my heart that even with the church, with all of the issues and problems, I'm talking about the universal church, uh, that it's the greatest thing going in the world. And God has plans for it far beyond anything that any of us can possibly imagine. If we'd just be obedient to the Lord and walk with Him. And uh, so for me, every Sunday, I, I still, my, my, my son is pastor of the church and we're living in a retirement community. And every Sunday, I just can't wait to get there and just be with people and worship God and... and uh, so I deeply, deeply love the church, and I deeply love the church to be a people who are hungry to experience and thirsty to experience the presence of God, the Spirit of God. And uh, so because of that, I, I want to read a, a passage to you this morning. Did I bring my Bible up? Yeah, here it is. Uh, Never know how I'm going to preach or how long I'm going to preach because I don't preach very often anymore. I'm retired and I do a lot of uh, other things, but I don't. So I'm not sure I know how to do this this morning. Uh, uh, but I'd like for you to turn to Luke 24 if you have your Bibles. And we have the story here that's uh, one, really one of my favorite stories of uh, a couple guys uh, having gone to Jerusalem and on their way back, and they were on a road called uh, that went to Emmaus. And uh, they had an, uh, a normal day for Christians that day in that uh, as they walked, let's look at verse uh, 13. That same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. That's seven miles is a pretty good walk. I used to ride my bicycle all the time, and even seven miles riding a bicycle was a pretty good distance. But So it wasn't just a little kind of across the neighborhood. It was a, a distance, seven miles. And... Uh, uh, they it was about seven miles from Jerusalem, 
And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they walked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and began to walk with them. And that's just one of those interesting pictures. Jesus just comes up. They, I think, were somewhat disillusioned over some of the things that had taken place in Jerusalem. Jesus has been crucified. There have been a lot of stories about his being resurrected. Evidently, they had some doubt about that because the women told him, of course, women don't know anything about things like that. So uh, they were uh, in a bad state of mind. And evidently, they really didn't look too closely at who came up to be with them. Um, and so uh, Jesus begins to walk with them. And it's something important here, and I think this really is behind the story, uh, and that is that Jesus was showing them what the Christian life is really about. It's about a walk. It's about a walk. It's about a walk through life. We call it a, a pilgrimage. You know, we're, we're on the way, as John Wesley used to say, from the city of somewhere to the city of God. And we're all being called to just walk. That's what, you know, the, the Christian life is. It's not a, a religious type of thing where you've got to be kind of artificial and put on pretense and fronts and, and act religious, but it's just a walk. It's a walk. And Jesus says he's going to walk with us, but we know from the John's Gospel that when he says he'll walk with us, he walks with us by the Spirit. The Spirit is with Jesus. Jesus is with the Spirit. And so Jesus said, I'm going away, and when I've gone away, I'm going to send another comforter, another one to walk with you. Another one to be there to transform life. Another one that's going to bring to you joy. It's going to bring to you peace. It's going to bring to you hope. It's going to bring to you new perceptions on life where you get meaning out of the things that don't have meaning. I'm going to send someone to be with you where you never need to feel alone again. He's going to come. So Jesus is demonstrating this by his own coming after his resurrection to these disciples who were walking with him. And what I'm saying to you here is very important for for you to understand. This life with Jesus is just this. It's a walk. We talk about walking in the Spirit. And Paul talks about walking in the Spirit. It's good to walk in the Spirit, isn't it? But with walking in the Spirit, we can kind of turn this into a religious thing where walking in the Spirit is some kind of etherical thing that's way out there away from us. But what you really have is walking in the Spirit is this is for everyday life. The Spirit's going to be with you in this walk, whatever you're going through. I don't care what you're going through today. The Spirit is with you. And you're walking with him. I I think you could have said for Paul that he would say, you know, he went on a boat 
uh, had a shipwreck, and the Spirit of God was with him, and and uh, God's speaking to him, and uh, these these things. So that that would be boating in the Spirit, <laughs> just boating in the Spirit. So you have walking in the Spirit, you have boating in the Spirit, you have going to work in the Spirit, you have driving the car in the Spirit, you have playing baseball in the Spirit, you have doing computer work in the Spirit. It's just that the Spirit is at work in every detail of your life. And so Jesus is demonstrating that here. He just comes alongside these guys and As they're going along, he starts talking to them, and he starts opening some scripture to them. Uh, So, as he goes, he he asks a question. You ever had God ask you a question? Just you going along, suddenly you have this question come into your mind. Where'd that come from? Where'd that come from? You ever had that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, So... uh, He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still there, faces down, cast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? It's kind of the way it is with Jesus, you know, just with the Spirit, what are you asking me this question for? You know, that's kind of a non-religious thing, isn't it? There, just kind of, what in the world is this? Who is this all about? And uh, then he says to him, and uh, uh, and do you uh, and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? Because see, they were in kind of a an interesting place. Uh, I think we would call it something of wonderment. They were wondering. You know, it was very confusing. There's reports that Jesus has been buried. He's dead. There's reports that he's come back to life. Uh, It's just, it's a, a wonder. There's something of awe. You don't understand these crazy things. We don't know what they're really about, but, you know, the stories have been there. And uh, I just want to say this to you, and it's probably the most fundamental thing I'm going to say to you as I speak to you today, that this is where Jesus wants you to live and where the Spirit is moving you to where you're finding wonder and awe every day of your life in everything that you do. It'd be pretty exciting, wouldn't it? Just like they, you know, I don't understand this. I, I'm not sure what I'm seeing. I'm not sure what I'm hearing. And so he said, um, what things, he asked. And they said, about Jesus of Nazareth. They replied, he was a prophet, a powerful in word and deed before God and all people. And the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped. You know, wonder always has within it a question about kind of the negative side of it. But what if I'm wrong? 
What if I'm wrong? What, what if the reports of these women are wrong? We, we had hoped. means they, they've shifted over a little bit away from the possibility that Jesus has risen. And they're saying we had hoped that. Just kind of a walk with Jesus. You ever have those times where you're just confused about what's going on? And uh, So uh, chief priests and our rulers handed him over. We had hoped that he was the one who is going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that he had been, uh, they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our <clears throat> companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe. All that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he explained to them what was in the scriptures. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. And uh, they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. Suddenly, things changed. I don't think it took away everything, but as far as confusion. But they saw the way Jesus did things. They knew how he did the bread and the wine. They knew how he served. And here they see it. Their eyes were opened. They were looking. They were observing. They were meditating. They were reflecting. They were doing those types of things. Just looking at the events that were taking place there before him and uh, saying uh, uh, their eyes were open, they recognized him, and the strange thing is he's disappeared before their eyes. He's here. No, no. Did we really see that man? I mean, this is, this is really a part of a very exciting life. Just in eating bread, having the meal together, Jesus is talking to him. Suddenly he disappears. You never know what Jesus is going to do. But, you know, the real fact is there was a transfer there that they would experience at Pentecost. Because from Pentecost on, the Holy Spirit would be walking with us even as Jesus walked with them on the road. For every one of us. We were singing about it earlier. The, the prayer uh, incorporated this idea. It's, it's for all of you. I don't care where you are today. I don't care what's going on in your life. I don't care what decision you've made for Christ. The possibility is there. And sometimes he's following us and, or we're walking beside him and we don't even realize he's there. 
I know in my own personal life, I'll share that a little bit later on, but I experienced that where he was directing, but I didn't realize how much he was directing. Well, here it is, a, a life of wonder and awe. I, uh, you know, different people see different things when they experience things on the way, just on the way. Everybody has some kind of narrative they tell about being on the way, regardless of who it is. You, you have those that call themselves secularists, and the reason that they're called secularists, and there's a lot of Christians that are somewhat secularist. They really don't expect God to do that much. They don't really think he's involved in their lives that much. Going to go to heaven, we're going to meet him in heaven, but... But then you have just the most common uh, everyday person who's a secularist. And this is the most common imagination in the Western world. Uh, the idea that, uh, you know, living in a scientific age, that uh, it's a closed universe. There's only materiality and... Life is built in understanding there's nothing of transcendence, nothing of glory and awe that breaks in from outside, inside, or is involved in the everyday activities of life. And uh, this is the most common view in our society as a result of, of uh, living in a scientific age that if you can't put it in a microscope or a telescope or put it in a test tube and explore it, it just doesn't exist. And we learn all the principles, we learn the laws, but there's, you know, but there's something funny that's happened uh, in the development of the of the scientific age. They didn't expect this to happen, but we had something happen called quantum physics and in quantum physics they found that there's a lot we just don't understand about basic reality we had all the answers what 50 60 70 years ago scientifically we had all the answers but things have changed radically and things we have learned uh, you know freud gave to us understandings of the human person. But it was based upon the idea that the brain is just a, a, a matter that's solid. It can't be changed. And what has come through in neuroscience in the last few years is, no, the, the whole brain can be changed and re, re, new channels developed, pathways can be developed in the brain that can change behavior radically in a person. That's great news, isn't it? Uh, so uh, they say it doesn't exist. How would they have? How would they have told this story? Well, we were walking from Jerusalem down. We had this guy come, and he was just kind of crazy. He was a religious person of some kind, and he—that's that's going to be their story. Nothing of hope. Nothing of the possibility of of their hearts really being uh, changed or anything like that. Just just tell the story, leaving God out, all of those. and Just, just another 
Another day at the, at the, on the road. Another old day at the road. Very boring. Uh, this guy was interesting. He probably on pot or something. Uh, well, there are some that tell the story. It's used to be uh, uh, that are dualist in this sense. There are particular places and particular acts where God is present. And uh, there's a secular world and a secular work and a spiritual work. And the two of these shall never meet. Just a, a dualism. And I'm sad to say that sometimes this happens in the church. In fear of experience, there's this thinking of life. Well, I'm kind of, uh, I, I see God every once in a while. He acts and and I am excited about that, that uh, there's a secular play and a spiritual play. There's physical healing and there's spiritual healing. There are places where God is not present and places where he is present. God is at a distance most of the time, but he has given us the Bible. So while he is away, we can do what he told us to do by reading the Bible. And when he does break in, we call him call them miracles because they just happen occasionally. That's just, that's a world view, sometimes of Christian. And, uh, you know, everything they're saying about one reality there is true. But the fact is, reality is made up of the fact that God is involved in all reality. Everywhere. In every dimension of your life. Whatever you're doing. God is at work. I remember I, I used to kind of have this and I, I, uh, I used to think God was with me only at the times when I was doing religious things, preaching or, or out doing evangelism or something like that. And, that uh, and the rest of the time, he wasn't with me. It was kind of coming from my own experience with my father. I had a, a great father, but all good fathers have have weaknesses. I certainly had him. My father had him. And one of his weaknesses or misunderstandings was the idea that he needed to participate in my world just like I needed to participate in his world. So I played football, and I went through four years of playing football, and he never came to a football game except the last game. And he came. And I, so I just, that was kind of the way I lived the life with God. He, he loves me. He loves it when I'm preaching. And he loves it when I'm praying. And, uh, of course, that means he's not really loving you guys when you're not preachers. <laughs> because you're really special when you're preachers. But you're not special doing anything else. And so I was in a conference in California at the vineyard, and a guy by the name of Francis McNutt got up and was just kind of praying in the spirit. And I had a vision, and I was back playing playing football in high school. I was in the the stadium, everything. I saw it, saw it all. And uh, I was playing linebacker, 
And they threw a pass, and I intercepted the pass. And I took off running. And I looked to the side, and over there was my dad pumping the air. That's my son. That's my son. And I, I was tackled. I went down, and as I was laying there on the ground in this vision, God spoke to me and said, because he was there, wasn't there. You didn't think I was there. He said, I really like the way you play football. Well, that's transforming life. But that's, that's the reality we're talking about here. He's not disengaged in anything in your life, in your employment. I was talking with Randy on the way over here. He was talking to us and tell, telling us about how he enjoyed doing accounting. Now, it has to be a very much a God thing for you to enjoy accounting on my judgment. <laughs> but uh, uh, just everyday details of life. See, again, it's, it's not just religious activities. These times are really important, coming together. But life isn't divided into these, rea- these realities. I don't care who you are. The Spirit can be in your life as much as He can be in my life or Randy's life or Clara's life or anybody else. Just walking on the road. While walking on the way, seeing signs and wonders. Some tell the story as it's told here with wonder. That's the way these disciples told the story as they... They have a a wonder story, a sign and wonder story. And Vineyard has always been kind of known as signs and wonders. That was the name of the class that made John Wimber very popular that he taught at uh, Fuller Seminary. Behind this story is a view of the world as a place where God is present by the Spirit. The Spirit is at work all the time, not just in church, not just when a big revival is taking place, not just when it's being read or declared, not just when a big God is bringing in a new era, not just when the man of God is present. And His presence can be known by those things that fill a life with awe and wonder as we walk down the ordinary dirt roads of life. Did you hear that? And the, His presence can be known in those things that fill a life with awe and wonder as we walk down the ordinary dirt road. Behind this story is an understanding of a world as a God-filled place. Or as the Apostle Paul said to the Athenian scholars, In Him we live and move and have our being. Or as the Chalcedonian Creed of the 4th century said concerning the Spirit, He is the Lord and He is the giver of life. You want life? Participate in the Spirit. He brings fills life with wonder, excitement, anticipation, and hope. 
This is the road that Christians, all of us, are to travel. We see it here in the present story. We see it in the stories around this. Just before this uh, text, there's Peter and Mary and these that are leaving the tomb and going to where the tomb is empty. And it says that they're filled with wonder. And Peter goes in and John goes in and they run into the tomb and they look at the tomb and they, what's going on here? There's something mysterious, something full of wonder and brings a sense of awe. You see it in in the events that are taking place there. So all around this story, you see it. It's what we're seeing on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. What was it about Acts chapter 2? Was the Holy Spirit around before Acts chapter 2? Of course. You can't have God without the Spirit. If God's around, the Spirit's around. But He was introduced in His own right as the third person of the Trinity on the day of Pentecost, even as Jesus was introduced on the day when he was birthed into a manger in Jerusalem or in, in uh, Bethlehem. Thank you. That's what Pentecost was about. Before that time, he was known more of just as the, as the power of God. But on the day of Pentecost, in his own personal right, he was introduced as the one who was going to be with us. The one that Jesus had promised. That he'd be one to walk down the dirt roads of life and ride in the boat and, and the airplanes. and That's what the day of Pentecost says. See, I, I just want to say that I don't come to you as one thinking of myself as an exceptional Christian. I do come to you as one who have realized the value of what I'm saying to you this morning. I do believe it will transform your life and I believe that it has impacted my life. Because my life has been one where it's been a process where God starts showing me Himself. We use the prayer in the vineyard, Come Holy Spirit. It's kind of interesting because that prayer was used historically in the church, has been used through the generations, especially at the Lord's Supper. And what you're praying for there is not that He'll come, that He's long distance away. It's that He'll reveal Himself to you and make Himself aware of His presence. So every time we say, come Holy Spirit, we're not looking uh, look down the road and see where he's coming down there. No, we just say, just open my eyes now so that he comes into my perceptions to where I sense the awe and wonder of his presence. Just the awe and wonder, come Holy Spirit. That wakes me up when I hear it whenever I'm in a service. And somebody says, well, Holy, better start looking. <laughs> Or start looking. Start seeing him. And we call these, uh, Reagan preached a sermon a few weeks back on this, and he, who's my son, who, who is also my senior pastor, uh, on nudges of God. Just little nudges where he nudges you. Maybe he asks you a question. 
uh, he's always asking questions. The Spirit of God's always asking questions. And uh, they're nudges or God sightings. I like this idea of God sightings. That every day you can have a God sighting. You can have multiple God sightings. When you're going through the darkest of night, you can have God sightings. And I'll tell you, that changes the darkest of nights. And it causes some stars to shine and the moon to come out. The God sightings. I, we, we used to, I was raised in a Pentecostal church and with usually little churches. My dad was a church planner and uh, usually we would see, uh, we'd have testimony services. And quite often those were just God sightings. Somebody stand and give a testimony. He says, I saw God do this this week. I remember as a little kid, I used to think, and then they'd say something, but, and it makes my life just get better and better. And I thought, lie, 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 lie. You, You guys are lying every week. But I was the one that was deceived. You see, and uh, so these nudges and these God sightings, and we'd have the testimony services, and people would stand and testify, and sometimes they'd tell the same story over again, and over again, and over again, because every week they were having God sightings that told the story over and over and over again. We had, you know, I had all kinds of things that were really good where we saw healings and we'd see, have powerful services and those types of things. But I'm here today trying to just focus your attention on the everyday life of living in the Spirit, of walking in the Spirit. Uh, I... uh, Remember, just when I left home to go to to Texas to come to Texas to to go to Bible college, and I was kind of alone, just graduated out of high school, driving down the road, and there's a kid hitchhiking, and I was just a kid at that time too, so I just I stopped and picked him up. The guy saved my life twice from going in head on into a, uh, a semi truck and I got some place and he disappeared I got to Wichita Kansas stopped to get gas and suddenly he was gone now you say this is strange this is funny this is yeah it is and I just I just said what was that all about oh Wonder, what was that about? Well, could it be that the Spirit of God was using this young guy? I don't know whether it was an angel, what, what it was. I don't know. I know now that God was preserving my life because He had purposes for me. And He was using this. I remember... Pastor in the church needing to, we needed to build the, uh, buy the building that, uh, Houston Vineyard now has. And, and we offered them a half million dollars for it. They were asking about a million dollars for it and 970,000, I think. And so 
how's my time coming here? You took a little extra time, so I'll have to take a little. If anybody needs to go, you feel free to go, but walk in the Spirit as you go. <laughs> because you'll have the message then, and you can, it won't matter. But uh, when I was asked to, uh, when we, were, we, we made the offer and they turned it down, and, and uh, so we, we didn't have, any, we didn't have the money to go much more for that building. And so I was out walking one day, walking, just walking. And the Spirit said to me, I want you to make a new offer on the building. What do you want me to make? What's it? And he said, uh, I want you to offer 350000 well, it's rational. That's reasonable. That's <laughs> the way we do it in capitalism, you know. <laughs> you reduce the price. And I want you to also give away your building fund to a church that was going through difficulty. I want you to give them your building fund. Well, of course, this type of thing is the type of thing that I'm making decision on it myself. We had elders and the elders, we, I took it to them and they said, well, Bertie, it sounds like, must be God, doesn't sound like you because they knew how conservative I was in finances. And but they prayed about it and said, yeah, we believe this, what the Lord's saying. Well, we didn't feel right in, in uh, giving away the building fund without taking it to the church. And I remember the Sunday we took it to church, just talked about it. It said we believe that God had told us to do this. This is before we'd heard anything on this, on the second offer. And and they they stood and cheered. The whole church stood and cheered. Give it away. And I got a call from the owner and he said, my wife has had a dream about... These people with their hands up towards heaven, and they had blue jeans, beards, and babies. <laughs> and they were asking God for a building. And he says, that's those people that are trying to buy the building down on Levin Street. And we got the building for 350000 and he called me back and he says, hey, I think I'm supposed to also add in the rest of the block and add another building there. Just walking on the, just walking down the road. Uh, you know the. Uh, uh, there's there's so many stories I could literally, I think I could stand here and tell a thousand stories. And you say, well, you know that's exaggerating. No, that's not exaggerating at all. You know, I mean, just little strange things. In our in our house, we wanted to have a place where everything would have a special meaning to it. Even our backyard, we wanted it in the new settlement. She, uh, Evelyn is a master gardener, and so we wanted to make the backyard in our new retirement home into a a new creation, an image of new creation. Where would remind us of that? Where when people came in the backyard, we could talk to them about new creation. 
And so she wanted to put a birdhouse in the backyard. Birdhouse? What's the big deal about a birdhouse? And so uh, we had had a birdhouse at our other place, and when we moved, we left it there. She said, I'd like to have a birdhouse just like the one we had at the old house. But I, I don't want it to look new. I want it to look, you know, with uh, tin on the corrugated metal and all of that. And so I built the frame for it, built it, and uh, set it in the garage. And one day I was walking on the road, and I felt like the Lord said to me, Well, go get the sheet metal today. The So... Actually, I came into the house. I went back out in the garage, and I told Evan, I'm going to get the the, uh, roof for the birdhouse, and we're going to finish it today. And so uh, she said, well, I don't want any new metal from Home Depot. Where are you going to get that? And I said, I don't know. I don't have any idea. I just thought I'd go get some, though. Because I'd had a nudge, a nudge from God on it, just walking. Now, I'm convinced, my friend, that these happen to you, and sometimes you just take them as natural, and if you get to looking at them, you say, hey, it's kind of like Einstein. He discovered the theory of relativity, and what was he doing? He was sitting on his back porch, just sleeping a little, and all of a sudden this idea comes in that gives a whole new perception of reality. I'm talking about just just that type of thing. And so uh, I go, and she says, well, I just don't want any tin. It's not rusty. Okay. I go out, and I start walking, and I mean driving, and I go up to 762. Which way did I turn here? Well, I urge. All I'm talking about is a nudge. Turn left. Okay, I'm going to turn left. Where am I going to go get sheet metal when I turn left? Only God knows. So I drive down a ways and go across the freeway and there's a little nice little uh, cemetery there. Kind of a community cemetery. Well, everybody knows that you can get all kinds of metal at a cemetery. That's a, that's a place to go. It's naturally the place to go, isn't it? So I thought, well, you know. But I had an urge. I had a nudge. And I drove over there, and I just took my time and walked around and read all the tombstones and all that, and I didn't see any metal. So I bought a candy bar or something before I went in, and I needed to go to the trash can. I went over the trash can, and under this big barrel was a piece of sheet metal or corrugated metal, just the size that I needed for my birdhouse. <laughs> it was rusty. It was it was perfect. I wish I had a picture of it here because we. Had, you see, every time I look at that in my backyard, I think. Why oh, the spirit is good. I mean, just a birdhouse. And my wife, in doing her yard work, 
I can see her out there where she's just overwhelmed with a sense of awe and wonder at what has happened in her in the garden, and it's a part of her walking in the spirit. Have you ever seen just a sunrise that all of a sudden a sunrise looks different than you've ever seen it before? Or maybe you went to you heard the uh, you went to the symphony and you heard music and all of a sudden that music is different than ever before. Could it be that the Spirit of God is doing something, causing you to see, causing you to hear in a way that you hadn't seen or heard before, just like He did these disciples on the way? I want to tell one more story. And then I promise I'm going to stop. Till this afternoon. Uh, this last year in the fall, we went to, uh, uh, on a trip. We didn't know where we were going. We just decided we would go and knew a couple places we'd wind up with. But we, we eventually wound up at Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And uh, uh, it was a beautiful time right up there by Yellowstone National Park and really nice. And uh, and it snowed while we were there. It wasn't supposed to snow. Well, we uh, 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 before we left the house, we prayed this prayer. We always do this on our road trips. Lord, l- let us have an experience where we see you in a special way, and it's uh, just a sense of revelation of who he is and that's uh, I'm trying to think for a word that my 77 year old mind has forgotten but uh, an epiphany thank you my wife we work together on our languages I, I just asked Lord give me give us an epiphany as we started out from our house Evan says to me she's driving she says hey would you want to pray and that's one of the things I pray for is epiphany well, we got to Jackson, Wyoming, and we'd seen several of these experiences, God experiences, either nudges or perceptions of reality that were just caused us to worship and explode in worship. And we, we got there and we wanted to see wildlife and just God to reveal himself through wildlife. And so uh, we went out for a drive and we saw Four moose, and they were, they were, they were nice. They were not too far away, but uh, it did, didn't seem like it did it. And so we drove down a road, and she said, "Where are you going?" I said, "I don't, I don't know. Just, just going." You know, that's the way it is sometimes. I, I have to say, that's my life. Ask her, well, "Where are you going?" Say, so "You got these life goals that are just going to determine." No, it's just kind of walking on the way with the Spirit. So we went up, and I thought, well, we should turn around. And we turned around. She, Where are you going? I thought, I don't know. We're going to go down this road. And, and then she said, looky over there. There's, there's four moose standing and eating about a half mile away. And it just seeing them just excited us. And 
the Lord's been teaching me a lot about the Father's love, new ways. And so we stopped, got out our binoculars and looked at him and, and watched him eat and uh, <clears throat> get, getting ready to leave. And as I'm starting to pull away, Evelyn says, wait, 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 one of them's coming our way. And I looked, and this moose was running across the field, and it was in total abandonment. I mean, it was running, and snow was flying, that big thing down here under his throat was flopping back and forth, and, and he was going through the weeds and his knees, and you can see him here. Evelyn is hollering, get in the car, get in the car, get in the car. You know, well, I probably should have been more attentive to her voice, but that moose came up within about 20 yards of us. And he looked at us. He stopped. He looked. I looked at him. And uh, if you ever read the life of Francis of Assisi, you'll know that he had some of these experiences where he saw... He saw animals the way God sees animals. And that's the way I felt like. I felt like we became friends right there. And my wife said, get in the car, get in the car. And I'm saying, and that, that rascal got right there. And we just kind of took it in and worshiping the Lord. And, and he came and, and walked ten yards behind our car and went out across the field. And we had our epiphany through that animal. I mean, isn't that the picture of the father of the prodigal son pulling up his robes, total abandonment, and running to his his son? Whoops. I lost something here. Uh, okay. Uh, well, I I could go on and on. I just want you to know that what I'm saying to you today can transform your life. It's no gimmick. You don't have to pay me more for... (laughs) You don't have to be some super saint. You just have to ask the Lord to open your eyes to where you see reality as it is. And He can change every part of your life and bring into it meaning and beauty and joy and hope. I'm not saying that it'll take away all the problems, but it's a lot easier to go through the problems when you're walking with God in the everyday details of life. Would you stand with me, please? I'd like to pray for you this morning and just pray. But I'd like for you to acknowledge if, if you, your life is, uh, if you don't walk this way, there's an emptiness there that you, uh, you just can't escape. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that more abundant. And you say, but I'm not seeing him in this way. And you want to ask today that the Lord would open your eyes like he did the disciples on that day at the table and they saw. And if that's the case, why don't you just raise your hand 
And uh, I want to pray with you. Just raise your hand. Yeah. Everyday details of life. Lord, I thank you for these friends that have raised their hands today who are hungry and thirsty for you. I thank you, Lord, that you have promised that you would give us life. Lord, for some of us, the, the wear and tear day in and day out of life has smothered our joy and has killed our hope. And we've been, a, Lord, a, so focused on our own mistakes and, and all that we haven't realized how close you are to us. And I just pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes today. Open our eyes through this week, Lord, in the job. Let them have God sightings. Let them have those nudges of the Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. And fill their lives. In Jesus' name I speak blessing over the San Antonio Vineyard. I speak blessing that they would, each one, know what it is to walk in the Spirit and to see with the Spirit, to speak with the Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would cause your joy to be such, your life to to be such that it, it would affect others that they come in contact with. Lord, keep them from being religious and putting on any kind of religious pretense or feeling like they've got to tell stories that they haven't experienced yet. Lord, we just pray that you'll make them a truthful people who just walk every day in the Spirit. May your favor be upon them. May you bring others into the community. May you touch the hearts of teenagers and of children and cause them to be people that rise, stand up, and walk in the Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Randy? Um, thanks for your patience as well with the, the tardiness. Uh, hopefully that was a joy to you. It was to me. Bert and Evelyn will be back this afternoon at 3.15. We're going to do some, some worship uh, again. And then it'll be a much more kind of a little bit more of a casual time, almost talk show host. We're going to have a love seat up here and a chair. And, and so come on back. This afternoon, if you can fit it in, and Bert will be sharing more about his story and his God sightings throughout his life. Bless you all. Thanks for coming. Have a great week.